Peter Williams from One O'Clock on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Time now to welcome in Bob McCoskery from Family First. Uh, I mentioned yesterday, Bob, when referring to your recent uh, surveys conducted by the Curia Polling Company, I inadvertently said Bob McCoskery from New Zealand First. I apologise for that. <laughs> but, but in actual fact, you're feeling a bit, of, uh, a bit of love towards Winston at the moment, aren't you? Like many people around New Zealand, because he uh, is actually starting to make Quite a lot of sense to a lot of people, in particular uh, this issue of gender ideology. So we'll talk about Winston very shortly. But first, Bob, uh, let's talk about the polls that you've uh, had commissioned by Curia and the numbers that they've returned because, well, I don't think they're surprising, but they'll be most enlightening for many people in the mainstream media and on the left. So tell us about them, Bob. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they'll be surprising, Peter, but the problem is that the legacy media simply will not allow uh, discussion. They will not allow a viewpoint to go against the narrative. So if you question um, uh, biological men playing in women's sports, if you question the gender affirmative model which locks kids into transgenderism and chemicalisation and castration, if you uh, stick up for teachers who don't want to tell a biological lie by pretending that a boy is a girl and a girl is a boy in their class, then you're, you know, you're labelled as a phobe and a bigot and a, a right-wing extremist, even though a lot of... Uh, people against gender ideology are actually from the left and uh, actually you know it's quite interesting the groups that we're holding hands across the aisle with on this particular issue because it's a it's actually not a right left issue it's a biological truth issue so so we just decided look it's time to find out what did the public think we have no doubt what the media think and we also know what the politicians think in fact I don't think they do think so we thought let's go and ask uh, the general public. So we commissioned Courier Market Research, reputable market company, which, you know, the media do love because they report their political polls. Uh, interestingly, when we release polls from Courier Market Research, suddenly they're not a legitimate survey company, so go figure. But um, so we asked um, sort of some key questions. We asked, firstly, do you think primary age children should be taught that they can choose their gender and change it through hormone treatment and surgery? Interestingly, or three out of four, 76% said, no, nope, definitely shouldn't pollute their minds like that. Only one in 10, 10% thought that primary age children should be indoctrinated with this um, ideology, which, you know, that's, that is really low. So no support for gender ideology in primary schools. We asked, um, would they support or oppose a ban on puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, the physical sex change surgeries for children under the, 18, under the age of 18. And, and that's been a sort of a direction that some states in the US have gone down and even um, what Tavistock in the UK and even other European countries, uh, Sweden, Finland, Denmark, have gone down the track and others. Uh, we found um, just over a majority, 54% support a ban and 27% oppose a ban and the other 19% were unsure. So, look, just one in four uh, disagree with a ban, and, and I think that's the starting point for where we're at. We should be reviewing the evidence before we continue to lock kids into this um, track down chemicalisation and castration. And then sports, 
uh, we asked, you know, should boys who identify as girls be allowed in the girls' netball, girls' rugby, girls' football team and vice versa? We actually polled on this about five years ago, Peter, and actually at that time we found it was 39% each. 39% said yes, they should be able to. 39% said they shouldn't. And the other 22% weren't sure. Uh, this time there was no doubt. 68%, two and three, said no, don't have boys and girls sport. And only 13% said, yep, that's okay. And the last question was, and it was related to, I don't know if you remember, Peter, the teacher who lost his teaching licence because he refused to tell a biological lie and tell a 14-year-old biological girl who was transitioning to be a boy, uh, refused to use the preferred name and, and refused to use the preferred pronoun uh, because he didn't want to tell a biological lie, uh, and he lost his licence. So we said, is, was that a fair decision? Uh, interestingly, only 16% said yes, and 65%, two and three, said no. What, what you see across all these um, four questions, Peter, is that you can basically say that about 70 to 75% of New Zealanders still have some common sense and are thinking through this issue. There's a hardcore group of about 10 to 15% who are just besotted with gender ideology. And then the remaining, you know, 10% or so are still unsure and I guess still thinking through the process. So it gives me heart that, you know, uh, uh, 65 to 75% of New Zealanders are using their brains still and so that, that's encouraging. Indeed, uh, that is still a sizable majority. The question I would have for you, Bob, you say that 10 to 15% have got hardline attitudes towards uh, transgenderism. Do you think that number's grown significantly from, let's put a time on this, a decade ago? I mean, I don't remember transgenderism being an issue 10 years ago. If you'd conducted these surveys back, say, 2013, you might yeah. not have even got anywhere near 10 to 15%. It might have been less than 5% because it wasn't a big deal. Therefore, what I'm asking, do you think that this transge transgenderism, uh, the interest in it, has grown significantly in the last decade? I think uh, what happened was we reached a peak a couple of years ago and now the support is dropping off. So I think uh, we've reached a tipping point. So what I found from all of these questions, because we have been surveying uh, over the last well, six to seven years, is that there was kind of this um, support, half-hearted support for it. But in all of our results, we've found an increasing opposition. And I think, and especially, for example, as I said, the sports, you know, it was even, even Stevens, it was 39% yes, 39% no. And now it's 68 to 13. I mean, that's a whitewash, isn't it? That's a absolutely clear yeah. no to yeah. boys playing in girls' teams. So do you think, think the, do you think the presence of people <clears throat> like Laurel Hubbard in yeah. high-profile events uh, from America. We've heard this news about this swimmer, Leah Thomas. Yeah. I forget Leah what Thomas. Uh, her, her name was uh, prior to that. But also the the actions of people like Roe Edge, uh, Annie O'Brien and the Stand Up For Women group uh, that was making yeah. quite a lot of noise two, three years ago. Do you think that that's actually hit the spot and has really started to convince the hearts and minds of many New Zealanders? 
Oh, look, no doubt about it. I think ideology sounds great until you see the actual outcomes and, uh, you know, who is affected by the ideology. So we're seeing uh, women's sports being affected, but we're also seeing uh, children um, being affected by it. We're seeing detransitioners showing regret. We're seeing the outcome of uh, young, healthy girls having uh, both their breasts, you know, both breasts chopped off and, and boys having to buy special underwear tuck friendly so that they can hide their appendage so they look more like girls. And I think eventually there's always a tipping point on these issues and society sort of takes a step back. It has been rammed down. I mean, the fact that it's taken us to do a poll to get these uh, this data out, and look, it's been crickets from the legacy media. They have not gone anywhere near these poll results because it goes against the narrative. I mean, organisations like Stuff will not actually even allow a contrary view on this issue, same with climate alarmism. So we're simply not having the debate. We're simply not discussing, is this in the best interests of a young person? And look, I I always just use the comparison. I was down your way last week, actually, in Wanaka, sharing with a, a packed room of parents concerned about this, sharing the fact that, you know, when we approach a, a young girl with anorexia nervosa who is thinking one way, thinks she overweight and needs to be skinnier and actually is physically very thin to the point of uh, harming her body because she's so stick thin, what do we do? Do we give a liposuction and encourage her with weight loss pills? No, we don't. We heal the mind because of the disconnection of the way they're thinking to the biological reality. But with children who have gender dysphoria, rather than healing the mind, what we immediately say is, okay, well, let's put you on puberty blockers. And that is not a uh, the, what the activists will say is that that gives the chance for um, the person to pause and think about whether they want to go down this track. The fact of the matter is, Peter, the research shows that puberty blockers doesn't pause, it predicts. And virtually every child who goes on puberty blockers will then progress to cross-sex hormones and then on to uh, surgical operations. We'll, we'll try to. Um, fortunately, there's not a lot of funding for them. But what people don't tell you is that the research also shows that the overwhelming majority, around 85 to 95% of these young people grow out of their gender dysphoria when they go through puberty because puberty confirms the biological reality And anyone who's gone through puberty like us, Peter, knows exactly what I'm talking about. So these are the kinds of conversations that we're not allowed to have. Um, Channel 7 in Australia actually uh, did a documentary on this exact issue just on Sunday night. I don't know if you've seen it, but it is is around, and I can send you a link. But uh, they're finally asking some questions around this whole issue and speaking to detransitioners and speaking to medical professionals uh, who have just been too scared to speak up. There's been so much pressure on medical professionals. And uh, and so, you know, there really has been a lot of bullying and what I call conversion therapy. Indeed. Well, that Channel 7 program sounds most interesting, bearing in mind that TVNZ mm. often take quite a lot of uh, Channel 7's Sunday night content. I have a oh, sneaking suspicion 
that that <laughs> might be one of the items they will pass on. Just saying, just saying, Bob. Well, I'm, I might write to them. I might write to them and ask them specifically, are they going to play it? Um, because they should. Yeah, <laughs> they should. Uh, talking of that trip down south that you had last week, and once again, my apologies, I was supposed to be the MC and the introducer at your function in Wanaka. I was on my way into town, my car stalled, and then it wouldn't restart. Uh, so my wife had the, the, the only car in the family that worked that night, and she was away in Queenstown. So anyway, my apologies. Uh, I couldn't be with you. We missed you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you <laughs> did not. Uh, there were best part of 100 people there, which for a, yep. a town such as Wanaka struck me as being quite an impressive turnout. Wanaka is a very wealthy town. Yeah. It's also... Uh, through that high school, uh, Bob, a very woke town. Um, right. And it struck me that that turnout of uh, 100 people in a place such as Wanaka says that uh, there must be some dissatisfaction in the town and amongst the the parent community of the students at the local high school, Mount Aspiring College. Did you pick that up as well? Oh, look, no, no doubt about it. I think even the organisers were... Um, stoked that so many turned out and there was genuine angst and look I think the angst is reflected in the poll results that uh, parents are concerned. I think what parents are most concerned about, not only the material that I showed them and uh, my diary is filling up with going and visiting families and uh, uh, sorry, parent groups, community groups uh, who are holding public meetings around this curriculum that's been pushed into schools and when they hear my presentation and see the evidence they they walk away both shocked but also they walk away empowered because we give them the tools for actually pushing back in a respectful and effective way to get this stuff out of schools and it is working we're hearing some great stories but what's most concerning is that the Ministry of Education is telling schools that Kids can socially transition, so that's preferred pronouns, change their name at school without parents having to be informed. The school actually asks the child whether they want parents to know. So this secrecy, any policy that involves secrecy around parents and separates parents from the child should be challenged at all times. It's a destructive policy, but it's been pushed from the Ministry of Education and the Ministry of Education funds radical groups like Inside Out very handsomely and uh, these groups are going in and telling schools, for example, they're telling teachers, you know, you have to uh, abide by how the child uh, defines himself and if they say that they're a boy, they may be a girl, but you've got to call them he, him, or or may even be they, them. You know, it's just becoming a little bit farcical, and we're moving away from sticking up for parents and also in the best interests of kids. You know, basically, they're not old enough to drive, but they're old enough to choose their gender and uh, and change their names and pronouns it, and go on puberty blockers. It, it's it's time for us to speak up, Peter. We've, you know, and I think what the re- polling results show should give parents confidence that they're not actually the weird ones. They're actually in the majority, and there's a lot of common sense around. It's actually the uh, Ministry of Education, some politicians and, um, you know, some of these groups that are actually the outliers, and it's time for us to push back. Okay, you had Wadika one night last week. You are in Queenstown the second night. Did you get a similar reaction there? Yeah, no, there was a good crowd there as well. And, uh, look, as I say, 
Um, I present exactly what is being shown to um, children, including primary school. There's a new app out, uh, phone app. So it's not only in the classroom, they're now targeting children even on their uh, phones. Uh, and there's a new app for children as young as 12. And in fact, they say that if you're under 12, you still can look through the website. Uh, and it goes into materials such as different types of sex, and including, you know, blowjobs, anal sex, uh, fingering, uh, you know, just objectionable stuff. And, you know, I was showing this stuff and I was apologizing to the parents and saying, look, I understand this is objectionable material, but I hope you're more upset with the fact that your children are being targeted with it than you are with me showing you it and alerting you to it. So I said, don't shoot the messenger. Um, you know, find out if this stuff is in schools. I, I need to clarify, though, Peter, that m the majority of schools don't want anything to do with this. And to prove my point, there was a recent uh, Pride Week that they held in schools across New Zealand, uh, and it was pushed, marketed, you know, extensively. The New Zealand Teachers Council were, um, you know, promoting it. But, in fact, only 12% of schools registered for it. So 88% of schools got on with reading, writing, and arithmetic. So I, I think that it's really important for parents simply to check with their school as to what they're allowing into the school. And we've put together a guide just to show parents how to do it, what their legal rights are, what the schools uh, have to do under the law, and how you can improve uh, effectively and respectfully um, go to the Board of Trustees and to the school leadership and get positive outcome. Uh, and that's on a website. Well, it's a website link, easy to remember, Peter. It's parentguide.nz. So if you just type in parentguide.nz, it'll take you straight to the booklet, the PDF. Have a read through it. And people, parents are armed to go in and protect their kids and the other kids in the school community. You might not be surprised to learn that uh, Mount Aspiring College in Wanaka was one of uh, the schools amongst that 12%, Bob. So, yeah, you were yeah. you were certainly in what you might say a, a hostile area. That's, yeah, that's right. But you, you did well to, to get that turnout. The question is then, what happens from now? If, if we get a change of government, we will have a new Minister of Education on the 14th of October. The Ministry of Education... Uh, is in many people's minds a lost cause. The bureaucracy there has increased considerably. The ideology of the senior leadership team is, well, it's something that uh, I most definitely do not agree with, not only on this issue, but on, on matters of education in general. It's going to take a very yep. strong Minister of Education to change things. Do you think, though, that this should be one of the most important things that a new minister does when addressing the issues in education generally and at the Ministry of Education? Well, just to give you an idea of uh, kind of the legacy, um, in fact, the Minister of Education for most of the past two terms of Labour has been none other than the current Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins. And then before that, uh, sorry, after that uh, has been Jan Tanetti. And uh, Jan Tanetti was the one who ushered through the birth certificates bill, which, of course, uh, is where, Peter, you can now take your birth certificate and uh, change your um, sex on your birth certificate to female if you wanted to, Peter. It'd be, you know, I'm sure you'd love to do that. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's how farcical birth certificates have become because of the ideology. But I tell you what's worse about uh, all of that, Peter, is that in Parliament, uh, that bill 
to allow birth certificates to be based on what you think or feel rather than what the doctor said when you were born uh, was passed unanimously. The whole of ACT, the whole of National voted for that bill. Uh, and we also know the conversion therapy bill, which effectively means that a parent could be criminalised for affirming that their daughter is a girl and their son is a boy, uh, and, and you know, stops counselling for people who have unwanted sexuality and gender issues. That was voted for by the whole of Parliament, except for about seven brave National MPs. So we've got a very left-leaning, socially conservative Parliament, not just parties, but the whole of Parliament. So... Uh, in terms of making noise, it's definitely been New Zealand first, Winston Peters, and I, I think he's tapped into a growing concern in our community, and that's why I think he's doing quite well. I think we may be surprised after Election Day just how well he does because he is reflecting one of the key concerns, especially of parents at the moment. Uh, will it change with the new parliament? Gee, I'd like to be optimistic, Peter, but I, I just think there's something in the water in Parliament and it, it makes them lose their spine when they get in there and they're just not willing to push back on the ideology, especially when the media are so rampant on it and, um, you know, will give them a hard time if they speak up for biological common sense. But this is why we did the polling, because we need to remind people that actually uh, people power, parents need to push back get some common sense, we need to do it for the sake of our kids. Yeah, well, I agree with you uh, about the way that politicians think. Uh, some months back, I interviewed Erica Stanford, who is the National Party Education spokesperson, is more than likely to become the Minister of Education, yep. unless David Seymour and the ACT Party have something to say about it. But at this particular function, which was uh, a lunch for national party and, shall we say, right-leaning political supporters, she was asked yeah. about this particular issue and she gave a very wishy-washy sort of answer <laughs> and she certainly was yeah. far from committing to get rid of this particular part of the relationships and sexuality education curriculum. And that, that bothered yeah. the heck out of me. But obviously yeah. these are numbers that you've produced. You've got to somehow... Cut through the cut through the noise and get these numbers onto the desk of the incoming minister and say, "Look what the public thinks. This is what they want." Yeah, I haven't seen any any evidence that National will push back on it. I certainly wouldn't expect it from Erica Stanford, uh, maybe Christopher Luxon, and maybe uh, some of the more socially conservative MPs in the party. It will depend on the new blood that comes into the party. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, no, it is a concern. I, I, As I say to people, look, I, yeah, as I say, I think with Parliament, uh, there's definitely a divide in terms of um, whether fiscal conservative and fiscal liberal, uh, you know, there's the left and the right of Parliament. But in terms of social conservative issues, Parliament is very much left-wing social conservative. You can count on your hand, or two hands maybe if I'm generous, the number of social conservatives in Parliament. And generally, those ones that are there, for example, Simon O'Connor, uh, get absolutely hammered when they express their viewpoint. I mean, they get told to take down social media posts reflecting their view on a conscience issue. So, you know, I think people need to understand that when you vote in, 
national or act, that doesn't mean you're voting in a social conservative party. You're voting in a fiscal conservative party, but that's not a social conservative party. Those are two different things. And, um, you know, we'd encourage people to go to our resource valueyourvote.nz and have a look at the voting record and some of the policy statements on some of these social conservative issues and just see where the parties lie. It's a bit of an eye-opener. So are you are you openly backing New Zealand First at this stage, Bob, or not? No, we don't endorse or say not to vote for any party. We just put up the information and and um, say an informed voter is key because, look, I understand with the whole wasted vote issue, you take into account, you know, do you vote for the party on principle or do you vote strategically? Uh, and, and look, <laughs> Unfortunately, as you and I both know, Peter, Winston could get into Parliament and then do something different. And it's very easy during an election campaign for all these political parties to promise us, you know, wonderful Christmas presents, but then they get into power and suddenly, oh, whoops, we're forgotten. You know, do you remember when all those politicians promised that vaccines wouldn't be mandated and then next minute? <laughs> so yes. uh, you just don't <laughs> yeah. In fact, yeah, okay, I won't go down that track because that's a whole, you know, you know, Chris Hipkins, the statements he made a couple of days ago on that issue just shows that often what politicians say and then what they deliver can be two separate things, and that's what concerns me the most. So I guess that's where pressure groups like Speak Up for Women and Family First and uh, Row Edge's organisation and, and others, um, you know, we, we've got to continue to to uh, keep the pressure up. That's why they call us pressure groups. You talked about those socially conservative National Party MPs. You mentioned Simon O'Connor, I guess Chris Pink uh, out of Kuipera fall, falls yep. into that group as well. Uh, with uh, with Simon O'Connor being challenged by the ACT Deputy Leader, Brooke Van Velden, how do you think he's tracking there? Is he going to keep his seat in Parliament, do you think? Well, I think that, that actually proves my point, Peter, um, that the fact that ACT want to go after probably one of the more socially conservative Nats shows just how hostile ACT are and to social conservative values. I mean, why did they pick his seat because they totally disagree with his values. That actually shows you that a a right-leaning party, so to speak, like ACT, is not actually socially conservative. And unfortunately, National has weeded out a lot of uh, social conservatives like Alfred Naro uh, and others. I mean, as I said, count on one hand the number of, um, well, the conversion therapy law, uh, six or seven of them, I think, out of national were the only ones in the whole of parliament who voted against it. One of those was um, our friend down in Dunedin. What's his name that um, just got Michael Woodhouse. Uh, shoved down the Yeah, Michael Woodhouse. So, you know, he's been shoved down the list. And of course, so he's basically out of parliament. So unfortunately, it's a bit of a death knell if you do speak up on these issues. And with uh, what I believe is a, a media that is just hostile to social conservative values and is part of the reason that Family First has been cancelled and the media just do not come near us uh, is, is means that anybody who puts their head above the parapet on this issue is, um, is going, you know, to get hammered by the legacy media. That's why I'm very grateful that we've got new, new, um, um, 
I was going to say platforms around, but RCR is included in that. Oh, and, totally. Um, yeah, there's the, there's Sean's Sean's outfit called well. called the platform, and there's there's yeah. this, and of mm. course with social media now there is there are very good methods of reaching yep. sizable uh, audiences. Now, you guys had a much publicised fight a few years ago about your charitable status. You you finished up losing that charitable status. Has that made any difference to Family First Income, Bob? No, that was a 10-year fight because they deregistered us. They um, We went through four court cases, ended up in the Supreme Court, and the reason for the deregistration, uh, quoting the court cases, was that we had a traditional view of family and we believed that marriage is one man, one woman, and that has no public benefit, unlike uh, the court said uh, groups who are into human rights and uh, protection of the environment. So... Yeah, if you register as a charity apparently for environmentalism or LGBT rights, then that's public benefit. But if you talk about traditional families, mum and dad, uh, and talk about marriage, uh, then and and you know believe that you're born male or female, then you have no public benefit. I mean, it's quite an astounding decision. Uh, <laughs> what does it mean for us? Well, to be honest, every time the charities board and the government came after us, our uh, both our financial support and our numbers support went through the roof because people just didn't like it. I think even people who disagree with us didn't like the way we were being treated because what you realise is that, well, what happens if uh, suddenly the charities board changes and goes very right-leaning and wants to get rid of every left-wing group that they disagree with? It's a, it's a dangerous place to be where we decide whether to give uh, government recognition to groups based on whether we agree with them or not. Indeed. Does that group uh, Inside Out, do they count as a charity? I know they get an awful lot of government funding, but they get charity. So if you donate and and help them, you can get a 30% tax deduction. It's yeah. staggering. And they get it? government funding. Well, they get two million ma- government funding massive about. Ga- government funding, don't they? Yeah, it's quite staggering. And this yeah. is the group that goes to primary schools, and Rodney Hyde's girls have suffered yeah. an inside-out presentation at the Arrowtown Primary School, and have yeah. just they're intelligent young women, as um, as daughters of Rodney Hyde, of course, would be, yeah. and they're they're strong-willed, and they can speak their mind, and they understand their mind, even though they're of primary school age, and they just came home. This was last year, horrified by what they were being told by this presentation. Yet these these people are um, are allowed to run amok inside our primary schools. Yeah, but the uh, beyond the bee, birds and the bees, which is this new phone app for kids, uh, it is funded by um, basically government funded groups, Canterbury University, uh, an MBIE group, and also a, um, a health hub in Christchurch, which is funded by Te Ora. So what you've got is government funding indirectly going into these resources, which are polluting our kids' minds about anal sex and blowjobs and, and fingering and, and showing explicit videos. It's And, you know, until parents really... Uh, speak up and push back, well, now we've given them the confidence that they're not actually the exception, they're actually the uh, common sense majority. Uh, now they need to, um, you know, gather some other parents and get involved strategically, and that's why I encourage people to read our resource, parentguide.nz, and and um, work out how to do it. And I'm happy to come down to, you know, local um, public meetings with parents. Like I say, it's... Uh, 
there have been a number around the country and got a number coming up with next week and and it, it, this is the big concern of parents because it's been going on for a while it's been below the radar and part of it has been sneaky they they t- they say they're going to consult with parents every two years but unfortunately parents haven't engaged with the consultation but when parents do turn up to the consultation they're obviously it's it's often just railroaded through and I think the report I got back from the Wanaka one, which was the night after I was there, was that, yeah, they had a consultation, but it was not a consultation. It was basically, this is what we're doing. Talk to us later if you want to. But there was no, you know, consultation suggests that both sides are presented and they figure out what's best for the kids. It wasn't. it. The, the, The feedback I got was that it was railroaded. Yeah, and so there's continuing concern. Yeah, the story I've read about that uh, consultation at uh, Mount Aspiring College the night after you were in Monica last week, Bob, was that mm. there were a couple of people who were interrupting the school presentation, which probably didn't help the mood of the night. To be fair, but then no. once the presentation had finished, there was no opportunity for a Q and A from the floor, which I would have thought should yeah. have been yeah. a mandatory and expected. Um, outcome after the initial presentation, but I think some bad behaviour early on might have kiboshed that, which is very disappointing, really. Yeah, it doesn't help. And, I mean, our strategy in our parent guide is to to win over people and influence them. It's not to go in all guns blazing. In fact, when I spoke up at um, Up North a couple of weeks ago, it was also online and the deputy principal actually tuned in to watch and actually appreciated the fact that we said, look, engage with the school. You know, engage with the teachers. They are concerned about your kids. The Board of Trustees is actually a group of parents, so they have a vested interest as well. So, uh, you know, go in and win and influence people. Don't go in and, uh, you know, guns blazing and and offend people and uh, treat them as hostile, Um, you know. Look, at at some stage, Peter, parents may need to make hard decisions about whether they keep the kids in those schools. To be honest, if I was a new parent now, I would be seriously considering whether my children would be in a state school. Uh, And many, you know, that's why homeschooling is increasing and that's why integrated schools, faith-based integrated schools that are holding the line have massive waiting lists. Uh, And it's because parents are starting to realise that uh, where in the old days when you and I went through school and there was kind of this walking hand in hand with the society values and the communities and families were on board, it's, it's now becoming a little bit more hostile and parents are having to use a lot more discernment and, and find out exactly what their kids are being taught. That was one big advantage of lockdown, Peter, was that kids were working from home and parents were finally seeing the type of material that their kids were being taught and it was a bit of a wake-up call for some of them. Indeed. So the results of your surveys, Bob, uh, have you put those uh, in correspondence to politicians at this stage? Have you done it already or are you going to wait until after the election to put it on the desks of people who will be in power after the 14th of October? Yeah, look, we we send it out to uh, every media outlet and we send it out to um, all the politicians. uh, Look, in fairness, I don't think the politicians will probably read or digest it. They should if they want to tap into one of the key heartbeats of uh, what parents and communities are feeling. But um, 
certainly after the once new parliament is formed, then that's the time to get them thinking about it and possibly to encourage some MPs to put forward a private member's bill on some of these issues. Uh, you know, for example, our What is a Woman campaign is to get uh, women defined in public policy and legislation as adult human female rather than um, this this confusing whatever you identify as. Uh, in terms of media, well, unfortunately, the media are crickets on this because it goes against the narrative for the mainstream media. So it's... Um, valued new people on the block like RCR and Platform and um, and Daily Examiner and BFD and other blogs. Um, I get your blogs as well, Peter. They're very informative and, you know, that is becoming our news source now. Unfortunately, I sit down and I record it so that I can fast forward. I record the news and, to be honest, it's just bad for my blood pressure and it's bad for my language. My wife has to tell me off, so I, I just try to avoid it. Yeah, wise move, wise move. Uh, have you tried to – here's a here's a question for you then, Bob. Have you tried to buy any full-page ads in the New Zealand Herald lately to, uh, to tell them, tell everybody the results of your survey? Because this is on well, to another subject, what, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think it's disgraceful that the um, CTU were able to do a hit piece on Christopher Luxon basically looking like a front page of a newspaper – if you if you didn't look really closely, you would think that that was actually the heading of the paper, um, and and you know for some reason the New Zealand Herald can accept an ad like this. But if we ask for a debate on the definition of woman, then uh, all the editors of the major daily newspapers, in our view, seem to collude or get together, have a bit of a powwow and say, no, we're not going to play this because all of them pulled the ad at the 11th hour, even though we were offering them money. And I thought the media industry needed money, but perhaps they've got a wonderful source and they don't need money anymore. Yeah, the source is called the government, uh, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you guys are still fighting your battles with the New Zealand Herald. Have you actually tried to, to buy any time lately since since those ads went in? Because it, in the end, you eventually got your full-page ad, but it was some days after you had originally asked for it and you lost your coordination as a consequence with your uh, online campaign, didn't you? Yeah, no, two of the newspapers, the Herald um, and the Otago Daily Times, said that they would uh, place it, but at a later date. But to be honest, Peter, why do I want to give them our money when um, they treat us like that. So, no, we just invested in some companies who uh, did some great billboard advertising for us and we did a lot more social media advertising. Uh, and, in fact, we actually <laughs> – the funny thing was that you can actually place ads on news websites um, online because they use a third party for that. So you're scrolling through – the New Zealand Herald stories, and there's our ad, uh, What is a Woman? So there's ways around it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, 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 it's the principle of it. However, stuff and, you know, the post-Christchurch press, they just said, no, it goes against our values. So apparently to ask for a debate about the definition of woman in public policy goes against the values of stuff um, – yeah. Lucky if you're a woman working for stuff. Yeah, well, what it says is that stuff do not believe in basic concepts of humanity like the family. And that's yeah. pretty much where it's at, really, uh, which is, yeah. frankly, yeah. despicable. So Winston, I know yeah. he's, Winston Peters has been abused 
on the hustings by his political opponents for bringing up the subject of toilets. But uh, I think I think he has hit a nerve here. And I heard it described the other day. Apparently, somebody was um, out in sympathy with cats a few elections back, and that apparently got them a whole lot of extra votes. Peter Dunn has quite often uh, hit on seemingly trivial issues, and he had a very long yeah. political career, career as a consequence of that. I just wonder whether Winston saying that uh, girls, only girls can go to girls' toilets, only women can go to women's toilets, it might seem an absolutely trivial issue, but uh, you just wonder whether or not he is, uh, he's hit a nerve amongst the voting public here and that uh, he's going to do pretty well as a consequence of it. Well, I think he's hit a nerve amongst the media as well because of the fact that they reduce it down and Chris Hipkins reduced it down to the fact that Winston, they said, Winston just wants to talk about toilets. Well, he doesn't. He wants to talk about the safety of women in changing rooms. He wants to talk about the safety of women in sports when biological men can play. He wants to talk about what kids are being taught and whether we should be chopping off breasts and, um, you know, um, the penises of healthy male, females and males uh, and kids chemicalizing them, that's an important discussion. Should we be teaching kids that gender is separate from sex? No, they're not. So, you know, it's a far bigger debate than Winston talking about toilets. But when you find media and politicians reducing it to a throwaway line like that, it makes you realize that they simply can't cope with the depth of the argument. They're not willing to de debate the, the issue. And so they just um, dismiss it with a condescending statement like that. People see through that. And look, even if you don't agree with Winston and some of his actions from the past, he's dead right on this particular issue and he deserves credit for it. Bob, as always, an absolute pleasure talking with you. Keep on fighting the good fight. Uh, you've certainly touched a nerve here and I'm glad that uh, we can help you disseminate the results of these very important surveys. You're more, f you're yeah. far more on the, the pulse of uh, the nation's uh, the nation's heart than many political parties are. I think, in fact, most political parties are. So, well done for you for getting those results out there. We'll do our best to uh, to make sure that as many people as possible know about them. Great talking with you, Bob. Thank you, Peter. Don't tell the media what you just said; they might get a shock. <laughs> Peter Williams from One O'clock on RCR Reality Check Radio. Right now, free speech is under heavy attack in New Zealand, with the government constantly devising new ways to enforce censorship. To revive honest media and support RCR, join our Foundation Membership Club today. To learn more, visit realitycheck.radio slash members.